Hi everyone, today's Bible reading is taken from Psalm chapter 42 to 43, and it reads as follows. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries haunt me. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O God my God. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him my salvation, and my God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, Christchurch Midland, and what a joy it is to join you for Church at Home. Uh, it's ex- such a privilege for me to be opening God's Word uh, this morning. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is David, and I'm one of the ministers at Christchurch Midland. Uh, and today I'm continuing with a series that uh, Eddie started off Last week, a series in the book of Psalms, which is titled Songs from the Heart. Uh, And our psalm this morning is really um, a psalm about finding hope uh, in times of uh, despair. So I do hope that you will join us uh, for that. I do hope that you have your Bibles there uh, with you on your smartphone, uh, that you keep them open to Psalm uh, 42 as we engage with God's Word. Uh, But before we do that, let me pray for us. Let me pray for God's help. Uh, as we look at his his word. So why don't you, wherever you are, uh, I'm joining you from my son's room, wherever you may be, on your couch, uh, uh, bow your heads and let's pray uh, together. Father, thank you for this opportunity um, to get into your word. Um, pray that you would help us, that you stir up our hearts um, to, um, to love Jesus. Uh, I pray that we would find hope uh, from the psalm. Uh, that you'd speak to us. And I pray for someone who's not a believer, that they would encounter 
uh, your King Jesus uh, through this, uh, this message. This we pray in his name and for our good. Amen. Amen. So if you are a follower of Jesus or if you follow Jesus for any uh, amount of time, uh, the reality is that you're going to get to a stage and a point in your life where it feels like God is far from you. Uh, sometimes this is because of sin in our own lives. Uh, we, as we walk along this path of, uh, of the faith, you stumble uh, uh, along the way, um, you sin, and in, those, in that moment, um, there's this voice of guilt that, that speaks to you, and it says to you uh, that God is not going to forgive you, uh, God is going to uh, turn his back against you. I don't know if you've ever felt uh, like that uh, in your walk with Jesus. Uh, sometimes it's because things don't go our way, right? Um, we walk uh, as Christians and we encounter difficulties um, along the way. And it feels like God is distancing himself uh, uh, and he's uh, on lockdown. He's socially uh, distancing uh, himself. When that happens, when we go through pain and suffering, it feels like uh, evil is winning and God is not really uh, there. I don't know if you've ever felt that way in your walk with Jesus. Uh, for me, I still remember it was around the age of 16 uh, or 17, somewhere along uh, uh, that, that time I was in, uh, in high school and I had been a Christian for about three years. And here's the thing, nobody ever tells you uh, that there will come a time in your Christian walk where the initial phase, phase of being excited about Jesus uh, dies down. Uh, so it dies down and the old sinful habits come back. Uh, you stumble back in your old ways. And in those moments, it feels like God is socially distancing himself. It feels like he is far from you. And going to church feels like a chore. Going to church uh, feels like you're going to be exposed back. Because here are these Christians who are having such a good time. In fact, I remember in my old church, um, we used to have the service leader shouting, God is good, and we would shout back uh, all the time, and, uh, and he would shout all the time, and we would shout back, God is good. Uh, and I think in those moments I felt fake. I felt like I didn't mean what I was saying because how what I was feeling and experiencing was contrary um, to what we were shouting. And it felt like uh, church was not a place I wanted we, uh, to be now, if we were to be honest, uh, this morning, uh, the Christian life is not a, a, a smooth sail. In fact, life in of itself is not a, a smooth sail. And sometimes sin and our sin appears to be greater than the grace of God uh, in our life. Sometimes uh, God feels like um, uh, he's not there because life is not going um, according to, to plan. It feels like he's absent and it feels like sin, sin and evil is ruling and winning. Uh, and maybe you're not a Christian uh, this morning, you're joining us. Uh, we, we love having you um, join us. And maybe you're searching for answers during this time. Uh, and it feels like God um, is not there and his uh, evil uh, is winning. You say to yourself, man, I, I want to believe in God, but it doesn't look like uh, he is um, he is there. Maybe there is no God. Maybe life is just a series of unfortunate events. Uh, well, uh, can I just say to you that I, I don't have the answers. 
And this psalm, psalm doesn't have the answers either. In fact, there are more questions in this psalm than there are answers. But these uh, questions, we need to know that they don't uh, originate with us. Uh, in fact, long before, uh, long, long before you and I uh, could exist, people had been asking and grappling with this question. And our psalm does that uh, for us um, today. In a land far, far away, in a time far from, from us, uh, a group of songwriters got to work and they put together these questions into a song in Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, addressed to the choir master, a masterpiece of Israel's greatest music band, the Sons of Korah. Some say that the person who is depicted in this psalm is a David-like figure, uh, and we're not sure uh, who it is in particular, what situation they were going through. Uh, but what we do know is that he had lost all connection to God. Uh, he felt like God is far. He had lost all connection to God's people, uh, and life felt like it felt like his life. He hadn't. He had lost control um, over it. But whoever he is. Um, he's going to remind us, and this is the point of uh, our sermon today, that when God feels fine, evil seems to be thriving and winning. We need to look back at what God has done uh, and how faithful he has been. Let me say that again because I believe that that's so powerful and that's what God wants us to hear this morning, that when God feels fine, evil seems to be winning. We need to look back uh, and see how faithful he has been. Uh, so with that said, we're going to dive into this psalm so that I'll show you where I got that uh, that point. Uh, but before I do that, let me give you a quick structure of uh, what we, where we are in the psalms. Uh, so the psalms are broken into five different books. Uh, we have book one, and Eddie took us through um, Psalm 1 and 2. Those are the introduction to the whole uh, book of psalms and the intro- and introduction to the book, uh, the first book of Psalms. Uh, so the first book is from chapter 1 to chapter 41. So we find ourselves in the opening chapters of book 2. Uh, these are the opening chapters. And these two Psalms have 15 verses. Uh, each of uh, them are they rather divided into three parts. So we have verses 1 to 3. That's the first part. Um, verses 6 to 10, that's the second part. And then uh, chapter 43, verses 1 to 5, uh, is the third part. So that's five verses each. Uh, and each part, here's how we divide it. Here's how we know where each part ends. Um, each part ends with this words. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. Uh, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Uh, so if you um, can read it during this week, you'll see that verse 5, verse 10, and chapter 43, 43 verse 5, all end uh, with this phrase, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Uh, so that's uh, the structure of the psalm. Without any waste of time, let's get into uh, the first verse. These are familiar words to some of us. Uh, we may have heard this, the hymn, As a deer pants uh, for water. Verse 1 says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. 
When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? Where is your God? Now one of the things that the Psalms do and Hebrew poetry does is that it paints, it uses language to paint pictures uh, for us. And often uh, we see what is called parallelism, where the two pictures are hung side by side, and those are meant to convey a meaning to us and an emotion to us uh, that we should uh, see um, uh, dwell in uh, in that in in that psalm. So uh, we see two pictures here uh, in these three verses. Two pictures put side by side. On the one side, we see a picture of a dying, thirsty animal, a deer that is panting and longing uh, for water. Picture this deer limping through, um, uh, dragging itself through the heat of the Middle East uh, in the desert. Now, if, he, if you've been to the Kruger or better yet to the Pilanisberg National Park in the Northwest, that's the best one, by the way. Um, if you've been there uh, before, you, or if you know anything about animals, you'd know that they don't wait till they are extremely thirsty to go looking for water. That's not what animals do. Uh, they often go there um, uh, at, at a certain time of the day, perhaps uh, around the afternoon, to go drink water. So for a deer to pant for water, it means it must have been in an area that was uh, stricken by a drought uh, or it couldn't find water when it needed. So it's panting and thirsting for water. Uh, and that's the picture uh, we see. It is dying of thirst uh, and longing. Uh, for water. The second picture that we see there is of a, a man who is in a desperate uh, a place. A man who is weeping and uh, who is hungry and, and thirsty. And the only nourishment that he has is his tears, the tears that are flowing from uh, his eyes all day and all night, every minute of uh, the, uh, the 24 hours that we have. Uh, he is weeping and that's all he has. Uh, to nourish himself. This must have been a painful experience for this man. And what is worse is that people around him are saying to him, where is God uh, in, in this time? He doesn't seem um, to be there. Uh, so that's the picture that we see in verses 1 to 3, a picture of somebody who is far from God. And being far from God feels like you are in a dry place. And the only thing that is wet uh, around you is your face that is drenched with tears. What a sad uh, picture to imagine. Uh, and perhaps some of us are going through that experience right now. Perhaps you're going through an experience where you cannot sleep because of the tears um, in your eyes. But it gets worse. Um, in verse 4, he remembers a time when he was among God's people, and it looks like he was some kind of a director of music who was leading songs of praise. Um, he was leading God's people, uh, perhaps during a, a Jewish festival, and they were rejoicing at the fact that God is good, and they were in the promised land, enjoying the blessings of being in the promised land. Uh, so that's uh, what his feeling is remembering that time. And perhaps you and I can actually uh, empathize with him uh, at this time. Uh, we know all too well what it feels like to be away from God's people. 
Uh, I mean, do you remember a time where uh, we used to meet together at church and the buzz of people moving around uh, and coming to praise God together, singing songs uh, together? I wonder if you remember uh, remember that. Uh, the free coffee afterwards uh, in the veranda and the uh, encouraging conversations after church. Uh, maybe some of you, uh, well, I know I miss those um, conversations uh, after church. And maybe for you, it's being in a live group where you are in this deep, uh, intimate community, um, and right now we are unable to do that. Uh, and so I think we can sympathize with the uh, the psalmist as he um, as he goes through um, this moment of pain of remembering um, a time where he was together uh, with God's people. And now, as much as we understand it, can I just say that uh, for us, uh, it is not with the same. Uh, intensities. You see, for the Israelites, uh, the presence of God uh, was associated with um, a a physical place. Uh, So the temple in Jerusalem was the place where God ruled uh, and God uh, chose to make his presence a dwell. So if you wanted to be close to God, you would go to um, Jerusalem. That's where uh, he was and that's where from there he would protect uh, his people. In verse 6, you can see that this man in the psalm remembers uh, Jerusalem and the temple from a foreign land. Uh, So he's in exile, uh, far from God's people, uh, far from God. Uh, So to be stripped away of all of that, to be stripped away from Jerusalem, meant that you are in a place where God is uh, not in control, uh, you are far from him uh, and from uh, his people. Now, uh, can I just uh, take a side road um, um, at this point? Um, by the way, the, just to say, by the way, there are some Christians today who feel like and who say that we need to go back to Israel, or maybe they've been on a trip there and they felt like they were close to God when they were in uh, Jerusalem. Now, there's nothing wrong with touring uh, the, the, uh, the promised land, uh, there's nothing wrong with seeing some of the biblical sites and seeing that the Bible is actually based on real, actual places uh, that exist. Um, but you and I, if we had this hope that if we go to a physical place called Israel, that we would find God there. Forget it. He's not there. He's in Rustenburg. <laughs> I'm joking. He's um, As Christians, we believe that God is not confined to a physical place. Uh, that Jesus made access to God possible from wherever you are. So you could feel no closer to God in Jerusalem than you would in a place like Rustenburg. Um, but for God's people, for the Old Testament believers, being away from the promised land and being conquered by uh, your enemies was a sign that evil was winning and that God somehow had lost uh, control. So the psalmist is away from God and away from his people, but he also felt like he was not in control of his life. Have a look at verse 7. It says, Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. See, that's another picture that we see presented to us by this masterpiece of a poem. That's one to three gives us a picture of a dry place, of uh, uh, this person who's longing for God. 
It's a picture of drought. But verse 7 is quite the opposite. It depicts for us rather a wet place, a, a place that is drenched with water. In fact, waters that are so uncontrollable that they threaten to take this man's life away. So he's no longer drowning, but he, or rather, no longer in drought, but he is drowning. And as he tries to pick up his head, uh, the waves come knocking him uh, again and again. He's gasping for air, he's trying to breathe, but the waves um, are overcoming him. He is drowning. And I know a lot of us who are watching this video um, are competent swimmers, so maybe we don't know what the feeling of drowning uh, feels like. And I can tell you many stories of being on holiday uh, in Devon and friends of ours uh, were swimming and tried to uh, to swim and they drowned. They, were, they almost drowned. Um, but I'm not going to do that this morning. I'm going to tell you my own story. Um, just to give you a bit of a background, um, I grew up obviously in the dusty streets of Rustenburg, and I, I still remember for us as young kids, we would go into the dam when it was raining to go to go swim. So um, it was not a good place to learn swimming. It was a dirty dam. Uh, the water was shallow. Um, so my skills, to, uh, my swimming skills are about a four out of ten, uh, which is really bad. Um, um, so my philosophy when it comes to swimming is that if you can stand your ground, that's good. You need to have fun and go swim. Uh, that is what swimming is. You in control. But if the waters are over your head, now that's not swimming. Uh, that is applying for um, a death wish. That is applying for death. Uh, so this particular time we went to the beach, um, it was in Amam Zimtoti, uh, one of the beaches that has um, a, a sandbank. But in order for you to get to the sandbank, you need to pass through this deep area that's about four meters uh, long. Uh, so you pass through that. Easy four meters is not that long. Well, that's what I, I thought. I did it once or twice. And the third time as I was doing it, um, and this is what they don't tell you, uh, that the waves and the oceans is unpredictable. Sometimes the current can uh, drag you away or sometimes... Um, the waves can hit you. So the waves came and they were quite powerful and they overpowered me as I was in the uh, deep end and I lost control. It felt like somebody had slapped me in the face and just as you're about to raise your head, another wave comes and slaps you uh, in the face. I fought that water and it pushed me um, to shore. Needless to say that I've never been back to swim uh, at, that, at that beach. Uh, when waters overpower you, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like me, but when waters are overpower you, you feel like you are not in control. You can't stand on your feet, and as you try to gasp for air, the waves overcome you. And that's the picture that we see here in verse seven. And that uh, sometimes is the reality that we experience, isn't it? Sometimes life feels that way. Uh, it feels like the waves and the water um, is overcome you, that you cannot breathe. Um, and uh, uh, as you try to breathe, another wave of trouble slaps you right in your face. And, and can I just ask you, 
um, this question that in those moments, where, where, where do you tend to? Where do you tend to when your career doesn't seem to rescue you out of that situation? Where do you tend to when the color of your bank card doesn't seem to uh, help you at that time or the title that you have at work doesn't seem to come through for you in that moment? Uh, well, uh, the psalmist tends to God. Have a look at verse 8. Uh, in verse 8, he remembers the covenant love of God and he wonders to himself, has God forgotten me? Has God forgotten me? And not just uh, a by-the-way comment. You'll notice that in verse 8, the psalmist uses the word the Lord uh, to refer to God. Uh, in fact, in book 2, most of the psalms use the generic name for God, the Hebrew name Elohim, which means God. Um, but it doesn't use the word Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. But in verse 8, uh, this psalmist remembers Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God, and he cries out to him that, God, remember your covenant. Have you forgotten me? Listen to his cry for help as it continues uh, in chapter 43. Verse 1, Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people, from the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. He's crying out for help. Verse 2, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? He continues to pray and uh, to pray uh, to God. Verse 3, send out your light of, and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. And we'll get verse 4 of chapter 43. Then I will go to the altar of God and to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. And that repeated refrain again. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him my salvation, and my God. Now, here's the thing about this psalm, um, is that it comes to us um, in a time of distress uh, and in a time of uncertainty and despair, at a time where we don't have the answers and God feels like he's fine, that evil um, is winning. Uh, but the one thing we need to remember is that this psalm is not primarily about us. Um, that yes, it's written for us, but it wasn't written um, to us. It's not as if in the psalm you can find uh, 10 steps to coping with depression and, and suffering. Uh, it's not a courage to face COVID kind of psalm. Uh, it was never meant for that. Um, this psalm is primarily about the nature of God. Uh, it is about God and the king of God's kingdom. It's about a king who uh, faces evil and wonders if God is there. Uh, a king who's uprooted from his land and is far away from God uh, and his people. And in that moment, he cries out to God. A king who cries out in despair um, to God. Book 2 opens with this uh, desire of this king to go back to Jerusalem, uh, to the city of God. It's a cry for help. So it opens with this desire to go uh, back to Israel um, to Jerusalem, but book two 
ends off with Psalm 72, with God promising that despite evil, he's going to come and uh, rule once again. Despite evil, they will restore Israel to be a prosperous nation. And you can imagine the Israelites, as they compile the Psalms, um, and how they used to chant uh, this prayer and sing it, uh, in hope that God will fulfill those promises. That God would fulfill those promises. So this psalm is a prayer uh, of the Israelites. And as Jesus steps into the scene, we see that time and time again, he uses the psalms as prayers and he uses and applies it to uh, to himself. So you remember that as his enemies ganged up against him, uh, the rulers um, of the Gentiles, uh, Herod and uh, and um, and Pontius Pilate and the, the scribes and the Pharisees, when they ganged up against him and made him on the cross, he used Psalm 22 to pray, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that moment, uh, the full wrath of God uh, was uh, on him. He truly felt forsaken. He truly felt that God was far. He was alone and God fell far from, uh, from him. So he uses the words of this, uh, this psalm. Uh, this psalm is not about you, but it is about a God we can tend to uh, in difficult times. It is about a God who keeps his promises to the nations of Israel. How do we see him keeping those promises? Well, we see them in the life uh, of Jesus Christ. And that's what we remembered uh, two weeks ago as we celebrated Easter. God who fulfills his promises, who vindicates uh, his king, uh, who answers his cry for help, that as they crucified him on that cross, it felt like evil was winning. Uh, but a few days later, we are told in the New Testament that Jesus came back to life, that God vindicated him and fulfilled his promises that David's son will rule forever on his throne. And Jesus uh, is that king. Jesus is the son who prays this prayer uh, for himself. Uh, this psalm reminds us uh, that because of what Jesus, God did for us in Jesus, um, as he carried our sin on the cross uh, for us, as he rose again, uh, to life. We are reminded that evil is not winning. Evil and pain will not have the last say in your life. If you are a believer, that is the promise uh, for you. And let me say that again. Uh, this psalm reminds us that evil, sin and evil and pain will not have the last word uh, in your life. That is the promise uh, that we see uh, in the psalm. What a great promise that is. That promise of the gospel message. Now those who know me know that I love singing Sutu hymns. Um, and the reason is because they filled with this message of the gospel and they, uh, they address, they bring across this message in a language that is close to my heart. And I'm going to quote you one of those hymns. Um, uh, and it goes like this. I'm going to quote it and then translate it. Um, it says, Habo shloku boho Boho tuba sheba jesu, si jesu, si fapa non sa hol hota, ki diba sa matidiso. Simply translated, and perhaps you are a Sotu speaker, 
um, I'll urge you and encourage you to go listen to that hymn. Uh, but simply translated uh, for the rest of us, um, that psalmist, that hymn rather, simply says um, that when troubles come your way and when they threaten to break you apart, look to Jesus. Um, look to the cross in Golgotha because there is the fountain of comfort uh, and a fountain of healing. Because it is that the cross where Jesus, uh, God destroyed sin and evil. But not only that, uh, God came through on his promises and raised Jesus from the dead. And Jesus, because of his res- resurrection, he's king and his Lord and he continues to rule over our life. And guess what kind of king he is? He's not a king who doesn't understand our pain. No, he understands our suffering and our pain. He understands what it feels like to be far from God because he himself went through that. Isn't that a king that you would want to submit your life to? A king who conquers sin and evil. A king who experienced pain and suffering. And as John Stott says, our suffering makes sense and are more manageable in light of his. That we could look to him and find comfort. And that's the thing that we learn from this psalm, that when God feels far off and evil seems to be winning, well, we need to look back at what Jesus did, what God did through Jesus, um, and how faithful he has been to fulfilling his promises, uh, and that we need to trust God in our moments of despair and in moments of pain. And here's a question that I want to leave with you uh, this morning. Is that this is the question? Do you see how faithful God has been in your life? Uh, do you see how faithful God has been in the life of Jesus, in His death on our behalf for your sin, for my sin, and in His resurrection from the grave? Do you see how? As, he, as it looks like evil is winning, that God is truly in charge. And I wonder this morning if that's the God that you trust. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much that you are trustworthy, that we can turn to you in moments of pain and distress. Thank you for all that you've done in your son Jesus. I pray that we would lean on that, that we would remember that it's all about him and that we would submit to him as king and as Lord. I pray for someone who's not a believer watching this morning that they would come to a knowledge of this king. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us uh, this week. Uh, Next week, Martin is going to be bringing God's word to us. So hopefully uh, you will join us for that.